sides of the story that's tom sides and that's sean sides how's everybody doing today this is podcast number two tom we got one out there and here we go number two man how are you feeling about that first episode i feel good about it and i feel good that like you know people are supporting it and people are listening to it it's pretty cool like seeing you know who's going out of their way to take the time to listen to it we definitely appreciate that it's, it's pretty cool oh man i the amount of kind words that i've been getting um just privately or like people have texted called messaged dm everything just to say kind words uh comments on facebook posts uh we even got a few posts on our uh apple podcasts have been really supportive man i've gone through like a whole 180 this week from we did it and then i heard it and then i just had a mental battle of like all right are people gonna like this uh did we talk too much about (laughs) star trek um what's going on here like i like even like the day we released it i got like three hours of sleep that night just in anticipation of all right it's out there it's real people are gonna like we made a thing and now we're gonna find out what people think about it like it was a weird yeah it's really exciting i'm sure they're like all people who make like creators they make something they put it out there and they you know they hope for the best they hope that people can relate to it and you know and listen to it and enjoy it and you know, we're fortunate enough um, that we have this opportunity to be able to talk to each other and get to know each other. And, you know, if people want to take that journey and hop on that train with us, it's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. Just I can't even express how appreciative I am. Like words can't express it just to go. I'm putting a thing out there and then I have support to do it. This is amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. No, it's cool. All the people like in your life that, you know, take the time out of their day to support. So shout out to all those people who are, you know, reaching out to us and listening. Yeah. No, thank you very much, everybody. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. So, Sean, how has the week been? Uh, how are you feeling? It's It's been pretty good, man. Like, you know, I was excited to have our release date of Wednesday and to get it out there and get yeah. it on, the you know, on the, all the streaming sites. And it's crazy to... uh be where we are right now just recording podcast number two and you know it's it's an exciting time and then how are you guys in edmonton i know you guys got some snow this week yeah we got pelted with on sunday it was like it was unfortunate i mean the dogs loved it they were like sweet fresh snow oh my god but it was like it was a real kick not gonna lie it was it was painful but then like on the flip side now it's beautiful outside and the sun's shining and it's like good reminders, you know, like I always like to talk about how you can't have good days if you don't have bad days. So right. sometimes when there's a bad day, I really own that bad day and I appreciate that bad day because I know that that bad day is going to give me a reflection point for the good days. So when the sun came back out, I was like, hell yeah. How very Zen of you. I love it. Yeah. You got to fight those things. Like you could be miserable about it and be like, <laughs> but in Alberta, yeah. You're going to be miserable all the goddamn time because the weather is constantly changing in weird directions, right? Well, yeah, you always got to prepare yourselves for second and third winter over there. Oh, yeah. And fourth and fifth and sixth sometimes. Yeah. And like this year, we've had such a nice, nice winter. Like it's like, the, you know, the universe, the powers that be are like, 
you know, we really kind of fucked you guys in this whole COVID thing. So, you know, here's a milder winter, just <laughs> just so you don't get super fucked. <laughs> <laughs> here's a little like, let's give a, let's give you a little bit of a break here. Okay, I understand it's a bit of shit. So let's have a little break and enjoy this, guys. Also, Sean, I want Although, to tell you, you sound a yeah. lot better. Did somebody get a microphone? Yeah. Well, I can't take full credit for that. My amazing fiance was like, you need a microphone. She heard it and then she was like, I got to get you a microphone. And she just went out and got you one, eh? Yeah, pretty much. We had a, a gift card left over from Best Buy when we got our new cell phones. And she was like, I can't. I can't listen to you like this. You you need to have a microphone. You know what? I love that stuff. Like you have a partner that sees you're doing a thing. And then she goes like, listen, if you're going to do this, let's do it right. And then she'll go out of the way to go and get you a microphone so you can, you know, do it right. You can plug her in and then like the fans start to hear you. Excuse me. You get to hear you a little bit clearer. And it's then, like, the, go ahead. It's I, it makes me think of like the age old thing behind every good man is an even better woman. Mm hmm. You know, and that's so true. Like I couldn't, you know, it's hard to explain when you're in a situation like I'm in with a very, very amazing partner that she just takes care of me, man. She's yeah. she's got my back a hundred percent and I never have to worry about that. Is the two way uh, street. Because of the pandemic, has your wedding plans taken like a little bit of a backseat? Yeah, they definitely have. See, we we were like originally planning this September to get married and then the way everything unfolded we can't be putting down deposits for something that's going to get canceled and we have a lot of people that we'd like to have at the wedding like it, it's brought up a lot of the conversations of like you know when are we going to be able to do it how are we going to be able to do it we have like a vision in mind of how we would like our wedding to be but at the end of the day like we do just also want to be with married you know like just to have it not done i don't mean to be like to get it over with i don't, I don't mean to no. put it like that but we just i want to be able to be like she's my wife you know and yeah but i also think that like i don't know it's like the difference between her being your wife and her just being your fiance is like a piece of paper no yeah and a word and like yeah. we already are like common law married in a sense you know she's yeah. my wife i'm her husband yeah. that's just how it is and we know that but it's just that moment of like the big wedding you know yeah. what i mean well, yeah, so the, the, like I think a lot of people have been going through this this year with like we want to get married, but there's a pandemic going on, so we can't have the wedding that we want. And I yeah. think a lot of people kind of forget that the marriage part is a little bit, I don't want to say trivial. I don't think that's the right word, but it's a little like it's not the be all end all. Like just no, like, you got to realize that the most important thing is that you guys have each other and you love each other. Like whether for sure. Whether or not it's a legal thing is semantics. It's not important. Like what is important is that you have each other. I like my sister is going through with a similar thing. She was supposed to get married uh, like next week. And yeah, and be, it was going to be in Jamaica. It was going to be an amazing thing. People were going to fly in all over the country for this. And um, and they had to cancel the trip. And I mean, we all got our money back and I was able to start a podcast because of it. But that's besides the point. Um, yeah, for sure. But like they're realizing now they they taken a step back and they're reevaluating like well, what's important to us and what's like what do we want to do? And now they're out house shopping, which is a, like I know a a very good um investment to make in this day and age, which is nice. For sure. And you know, people can get married at any time. Like I have friends so that we'll have been engaged like like 6 years now or something ridiculous. They have a daughter and she's perfect. And like, I don't know, I really hope they get married and she graduates high school the same week. Like, that's what I'm really hoping for. 
for sure. It's one of the things like you touched on with that is um, the finances of it, you know, like you're going to spend like, you know, small, small wedding, like super simple meal, all that kind of stuff. You minimum 15, 20 grand, probably depending on the amount of people you have, you go like a little bit fancier on a couple of things. You get a little, you know, a few more drinks, a few cheaper drinks or whatever. Like you're, you could be up to 30, $40,000 for one day. Yeah. It's insane. all, set, all like, in and like it's a lot of money. Yeah. Do, do, um, do the, do you guys do like, uh, like, uh, socials or, uh, in Quebec, we call them a bucky bish. It's more of like, um, like a stag and doe. It's a party that's thrown by the best man and the bridesmaid to help raise money for the, the wedding. It's a big thing. We don't thing, do like, that here. Sorry. We don't do that. No, no they do thing. it in like small, like rural areas. And I gotta say these things, these events are so much fun. Um, I, I experienced it a little bit when I was in Manitoba and they yeah. call them socials there. I, like every province has their own like name for it and it's just interesting like what you do is you buy tickets like you rent out a hall you like supply beer and drinks you sell tickets to the thing and then you sell raffle tickets and you have like prizes to give away some people donate stuff some people like you know you chip in you and like everyone chips in and they buy a tv but the thing is like like you end up making like a profit that goes to saving money towards a wedding see i have been to one of those parties but only one and it's not like super common but it is a good idea like it's like the old timey feeling of like a community you know like bringing towards like your relationship that it's not just the two of you it's a reminder not not only is it a party like kind of a fundraiser but to me it's like a reminder that you know you are part of a community as well yeah and you get everyone to chip in like and it's a nice way to see that like families come in and then people kind of like volunteer to work the bar people volunteer to work uh, just like the cash so selling tickets and stuff. And then like, eventually you kind of like, well, we raised enough money. Let's put this away and then let's all enjoy each other's company. And you, it's one of those, like, I don't know if they do it in the States, but to me, it's like a nice Canadian event. Yeah. I think it's not the worst idea. That's for sure. Yeah. You know what? Coming up in the future, you know, maybe you can get Kieran to be going on a big stag and doe event for you guys. And then, Boom, you get a bigger wedding than you could ever imagine. <laughs> Pretty much. And the funny thing is, is that I could turn around and do it for him too, right? Because we got engaged like six months apart from each other, my best friend and I. So wow. it was one of those things. Yeah, you guys aren't going to do like a double Star Trek wedding? You guys both. We tried. <laughs> we really tried, but they weren't into that. Yeah. Kieran's been pushing for like 10 years at least, at <laughs> least to be allowed to get married in the coincidentally not the uniforms that we have but the red uniforms from the movies oh, okay because he thinks those look real classy and oh, that they look real nice formal. in a wedding yeah exactly but yeah his woman's like hell no <laughs> also i don't think i know how did uh your proposal story to crystal how'd that go down yeah so i guess i've never told you this so i had like a crystal is like really 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 good at surprising she she goes above and beyond like I just I can't even say how many times like she's done very sweet things surprised me with trips and all that kind of jazz so it was her birthday weekend and I told her we were I was going to take her to Calgary so I I'd already like gotten the ring by this point you know three months earlier and to me like I'm not a good future planner when it comes to surprises it's just not really my thing right so I had a master plan I rented us a hotel in Calgary with the premise that we were going to the zoo for her birthday. 
So we did. And then the next day we were going to go to Banff just to go like, you know, check out the mountains and go for dinner in our favorite Greek place that's down there and all that kind of stuff, you Very know, all planned out. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, we've gone there lots over the years to Banff because we both like our first trip ever together was to Banff. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we, the morning of it's her birthday and I'm like, let's go to Banff. It's your birthday, special dinner. So we get out on the highway we're driving down there. I got the ring in my pocket. I'm like a little nervous. You know, I'm, I'm going to get this done and we're going to do this. I can't, I can't wait. Like finally I get to surprise her. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we go, we're about maybe 45 minutes out of Banff and all of a sudden the traffic starts slowing down and we're like, okay, this is weird. A little strange. We're moving like maybe five human steps every 10 minutes. Oh shit. And we're like, what the hell's going on? Why is it so busy? I don't know what the fuck's going on. So we're on the highway for three hours to get one hour like of driving. We finally, (laughs) finally get into Banff and we get to like the, you know, the toll booth that you have to go through kind of like a toll booth. And we're like, what's going on? Why is it so busy? And they're like, this is the busiest weekend of the year in Banff. We have a Canada Day celebration that's tomorrow and bands come in from all over and everybody from every small town comes to Banff for this weekend. Oh, you guys, this takes place July 1st weekend? Yeah, yeah. Crystal's birthday is uh, June 30th, right? Okay. So I had no idea that Banff was a hot spot for Canada Day, but kind of makes sense with the mountains. So Crystal at this point was like, she doesn't want to be driving. It's her birthday. She was driving the car and... She's just super, super annoyed with the fact that we were on the highway for three hours. So I can tell she's like, it's really busy in Banff. Like every, like literally the streets are lined with cars. So mm-hmm. she's really frustrated by this point, And I can tell. So I'm like, baby, like, let's just, you know, park the car for 10 minutes. Let's go for a walk. We're in the mountains. It's beautiful. Let's calm down. Everything will be fine. So she agrees. She's like, yeah, fine. So we park, we go, we have a smoke. We walk around for 10 minutes. We're like, hey, let's go back to the car. We're going to make a game plan. You know, we'll call the restaurant, make sure we can still get a booking, that kind of thing. So we walk back to the car. She's got a ticket. Fuck. We, we weren't supposed to park there. How much? I think it was $300. Oh, man. Okay. So, we're, so it's her birthday. <laughs> Stuck on the highway for three hours. And then she gets a fucking ticket. So she is like fumingly mad and is like, I want to fucking leave Banff right now and go back to our hotel in Calgary. I hate this city. I'm so angry. What's your head like like at this point? Because you know what you want to do. Oh, man, I'm fucking panicking. I'm like, how can I rally? How can I rally? And I was like, (laughs) I was like, let's go. Let's go to the store and like get some uh, get a drink because we didn't have a drink on the way there. We were stuck on the highway for three hours because we weren't anticipating that. So I go and get us both a bottle of water and I'm walking. I'm by myself at this point. She's waiting in the car because she's too angry to go into the store. So I'm walking. I'm like, man, what are you going to do? How are you going to? how are you going to solve this problem now that you've gotten yourself into because you didn't do your research on what was going on in Banff that weekend. <laughs> so I get back to the car and she's like, I don't even want to go to the restaurant for dinner. I just want to go back to the hotel. Yeah. And I'm like, let's go to a mountain outlook. Cause there's a lot of them there and just relax. You know, maybe we can calm down. Maybe we can chill out a little bit. So we go, we find this nice little spot. It's really quiet. It's just the two of us. It's overlooking the mountains and I was like, oh, and I'm like, should I do it now? And I'm like, she's still a little too angry. Maybe I shouldn't do it right now. 
So then, <laughs> just as we're enjoying this moment of silence, three buses of tourists pull up and completely flood the mountain outlook where I was trying to calm her down. So just like where you were like, here, we have a moment of peace. Here we go. And then like 300 people show up and just yeah. take your fucking space. Yeah, literally like standing in circles. Or like we were on, on these like uh, an outlook and sitting on a bench. And then there was like 150 people with cameras standing all the way around us. No way we can get a straight line view to the mountains anymore. So it just kind of like added to the whole frustration of the day. And she was like, let's go. I just want to go back to the hotel in Calgary. <laughs> so I'm scrambling and I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do? How am I going to sort this out? Uh, so I'm like, let's not make this a complete waste. Let's yeah. stop in Canmore. Let's go for lunch there. Maybe we can still like make a day out of today. Canmore shouldn't be busy because everyone's going to bath. Canmore is beautiful too. Like it's like, uh, it, it gets like ignored by, how like gorgeous Banff is but I've been to like three weddings in Canmore and all of them gorgeous and just the area is just as beautiful it's Banff oh for sure it's fine yeah it's literally like just as good as any like Jasper Banff Canmore should be on that list too for sure so I convince her she ain't happy about it but she's like fine let's go to Canmore so we pull in the Canmore and you know I can tell she's still frustrated so I'm like there's a park over here let's go we'll park the car We'll go for a walk. We'll try to like chill out for a little bit. Like I understand that you're frustrated. Yeah. So I, I just like, at this point, I'm like, my hands are swimming. I'm like, should I even do this today? And I was like, should I just postpone and wait? But I've, I'd already been waiting like four or five months. And like, this is the whole surprise and the whole plan. So I'm like, I got to figure this out still. And so we, we parked in Canmore. We found this little bench. We sat on it. You know, we talked for a few minutes she was still very angry. I could see it written all over her face and I have pictures to prove it okay. because you can just see the look on her face <laughs> in the pictures. Cause I was like, let's take a selfie. You know, I'm trying to commemorate the moment that's about to happen. I'm like, let's do some selfies. And she just has this look on her face. Like, I don't want to fucking take a picture with you. Not that it was my fault, but it was you just, she was just upset. <laughs> yeah. This is her birthday that I was responsible for basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're sitting there and I, I noticed there's a nice path that goes in between these houses and it's along the lake and the mountains are in the background. It's gorgeous. So I'm like, I can make this work. This is a, this is a beautiful spot. So I say, babe, like, let's go for a walk down this path. You know, it'll, it'll be a nice little walk. I don't want to go for a walk. I just want to go for lunch and I want to go back to the fucking hotel in Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> Real uphill battle for you, eh? Oh, Jesus. And it's not like, you know, she wasn't, she, everything that had happened to her that day, she had a right to be in the mood that she was. Oh, a hundred percent. Anybody would be on their birthday too. You know what I mean? Like it was just like. You are setting yourself up for this whole like big day and then speed bump after speed bump after speed bump. But I gotta say what I like it so far is in your story. There is no way she's suspecting a proposal. (laughs) Oh, you know what? And like. That's what made it so good, right? So finally, I get her to go down the the pathway. So we're walking down the path, and there's this little tree stump, like of a tree that was in the middle of the path that had been rotted out and broken down. And I was like, you know, let's take a selfie here. Like, I'll set my phone up. We'll put it on a timer. And then, you know, we can take a picture. So I set the phone to record a video. Mm -hmm. And I go back. And I had to do, like, the 10 seconds of, like, pretending to wait for the thing. And so she's like, I'm holding up against her and we're like waiting to smile for the picture kind of thing, even though it's a video and she doesn't know it's yeah. a video. And, but she picked up on something. She was like, what's wrong? 
like you're really shaky you're really like because i was like nervous as shit right like mm-hmm. just excited and nervous and the way the day had gone so she turned to me and she's like what's wrong like why are you shaking like my jaw was like shaking i couldn't stop it from shaking i was just and she was like what's going on and i was like well i've got to talk to you about something and she was like what and like taken taken completely aback and then i got down on one knee and pulled the ring out proposed to her and her first words were uh what was it are you fucking serious (laughs) i think was (laughs) she had no idea right and i've never like I've never seen a person, I don't think, in as much shock as what she was in because she just, the day that we had leading up to it, and that's what made it all perfect in the end because, you know, oh, yeah. she was just blown away. She did not see that coming. She told me afterwards, she's like, I thought you were going to break up with me or something when you <laughs> when you took because <laughs> she saw my jaw shaking, right? You wanted to take a picture to, uh, to like forever have the moment of when you broke her heart? You're some kind of monster? Is that what she thought? I, I don't know. I don't know why she went that direction. It was uh, funny, like there I was love, like a bunch of people like on a dock that had been there. We went and sat on the dock and yeah. it took probably like 45 minutes for her to like be able to breathe because she was just so like floored, right? See, that's amazing because like, you know what? I think that's like a perfect proposal story in the sense that, listen, we're having the worst day. And then, you know, after shit day, shit moment, shit this, shit traffic, shit ticket. And then all of a sudden, Will you marry me? And then, like, I guarantee you, she's gonna go back on record and say that's probably the but one of the best days of her life, and like yeah. completely ignore all of the bullshit that happened that day because oh, of the sure. one moment. I love that I took selfies of when she was angry <laughs> because it was like you look at my phone when you're swiping through the pictures, and it's like, oh, she gonna kill Sean. Oh, she gonna kill Sean. Oh, she gonna kill Sean. Followed by. Oh my God, she loves Sean. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that new theme of uh, how it started and how it's going, kind of thing. But it's the for opposite. sure. <laughs> she was she was just like literally like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. What? Oh my God. Oh my God. Like just that kind of state yeah. of like, holy fuck. No, it was it was great though. And then after that, we went for like a really nice dinner in Can or lunch dinner in Canmore. Got a bottle of champagne. We actually had a funny moment when we ordered the bottle of champagne because we're we're not ballers, we're not high rollers. No. We were like, but we should get like a little bottle of champagne. So we ordered the little bottle of champagne, and they fucked up and brought us out like the two hundred dollar bottle of champagne. <laughs> and so we we were like, ah, fuck it. We only get engaged once in our lives. Let's oh, yeah. do it. Treat so. yourselves then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it was a hell of a day, and you know we enjoyed the rest of our night. And it, obviously, when something like that happens, it just changes the tempo completely. And we had an amazing weekend. I actually, I love this story. This is the first time I've heard it. This is amazing. And yeah, I don't think you could have had a better story. Like if you plan, like if if your day went perfectly, I don't think that that would compare to this story. No, it's a hundred percent true. Like the ticket man the ticket just like put the icing on the cake for that one it's just like the perfect happenstances that day was there a part of you in your mind just going you know what she's gonna be so happy afterwards like honestly i was her days being ruined because i was still so nervous so much better (laughs) for sure i was still so panicked and nervous because you want like you know when you have someone that makes you feel special all the time Mm -hmm. you want to be able to like give them the perfect moments and give them the perfect days so i was like a goddamn panicked mess because i was like i can't do anything right everything's fucking going wrong but I, but i was taking it in stride too you know like i i handle things pretty good on the fly when i get curveballs thrown at me i always have yeah. and that's really a nice thing that like it keeps you in line when those things are happening you're like hey 
I like I'm determined. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this a damn good day and oh, yeah, I won you, the fight. So <laughs> <laughs> you gotta figure it out in those moments. I like that, that sense of improv. Uh, you said something before and I wanted to ask you this. So Crystal was driving. Do you have a license? I do now, yes. Now, as of like what? See, like most people get their license at 16. Yeah. I decided to wait an extra um, 20 years. Oh, okay. You took, <laughs> you took your time on it? Yeah. So I'm 36 now and I got my license in February. Well, congratulations. Up to that point. What's that? Sorry. It's like, congratulations. Yeah. It's a pretty big step. You know, it's a little weird in life being a 36 year old who just got their license and not being a 16 year old yeah but at the same time i'm a lot more experienced than most 16 year olds so that yes. lends itself to me someone argues that a- you have about 20 more years experience than the average 16 year old yeah exactly but no it's it's been a pretty big like thing for me because i hadn't been there hadn't gotten it now having it and driving around you know the sense of freedom it's different when you're younger because you're like oh my god the whole world's my oyster like the whole world's been my oyster for years i've just had to uber there so there's funny (laughs) things i wanted to bring up so like my dad never had a driver's license never had one i remember you saying that to me that's super interesting yeah not until he got like he got his learner's permit at like 51 that's funny and like I want all those like weird moments of like I'm teaching my father how to drive, which I think is hilarious. And I'm glad I got to have these moments. So I get to sit in the passenger seat, try and watch the man try and like, all right, dad, just go straight, I guess. Like, uh, like it's just that. And then like <laughs> getting him to park was a chore. Like there was times where like if there were cars around, you'd be like, Thomas, you got to get out and like you got to do this for me. And like, that is so awesome. Yeah, but it was a cool moment. Um, So like when he passed away, I, I, I still have his uh, learner's permit driver's license in my wallet, carry yeah. it with me everywhere I go. Um, just the, like the proof of like the people that knew my dad knew he didn't drive and like people had to drive him everywhere. So I like yeah. to have the proof of just, he was so close. Like he was like, <laughs> you know, and what's then, really cool about that, Thomas, is that like me and your dad are kindred spirits in that way. Yeah. It's funny. Like when you think of like the sides, sides, men, you think about who we are and how we live our lives and the similarities and different ways and the differences. And it's like me and your dad heavily, heavily had that in common with each other. You know, I'm sure the stories of like how he got around up to that point, you know, are very similar to the stories that I had of getting around. Oh, it was my mom. And then when I got my license, it was me. (laughs) Yeah. Which is crazy. Like an awesome to think about that. And it's like, I, I broke from that mold and was able to get it, you know, recently. Yeah. But it's crazy to think of like, you know, it's not common for men to do that, especially like because your dad was like very active guy from what I understand and, you know, took you to hockey, like and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And so it's funny to think that he never was like, oh, you know what? I should probably go. get it. Yeah. Like he was always present with all the activities we were doing. But granted, he was a co-pilot to my mom all the time. Like, God bless my mom, because if it wasn't like for her, I wouldn't have gone anywhere. And then like also she had to handle the stress of like, all right, Chris, I got to pick up with it. Like, I don't know. It's just weird being a, an adult that can't get yourself around. For sure. And no, and it's a struggle for like, I can speak to that for sure. It's a fucking, yeah. it's annoying. But you always find a way. You know what I mean? You yeah. always find a way. Did he have a reason for not getting his you license? Know, to this day, I have no idea. I have okay. brought it up my whole life trying to understand. Yeah. And the man would just change subjects. He yeah. said something about car accidents. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. But to the point, like, 
you'll still go into a car with somebody else. So if you're <laughs> afraid of car accidents, like I would much rather be in control of my own fate than like, let's say somebody else. That being said, I don't mind being driven around with like people, but yeah. like if that's your reasoning, I think it's flawed. And no, so, for but, sure. but every time I would bring it up, he would just change the subject or just tell me to like go to my room or just, you know. <laughs> and I kind of did the same thing with dodging. You know, I'd be like, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Change the subject. Do you have a reason? Like now? Not really. Like, honestly, like I look back and there was a point when I was like around 17, 18, when I was going to drive towards getting it. And then, you know, life happened and I had some situations arise that kind of pushed the timeline back on that by a couple of years. And then I, you know, I had, I worked with my dad and brother for a lot of years, so I had rides to work and then, Mm -hmm. you know, best friends and people driving, roommates driving, you know, stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. I I, I always got around and it wasn't like, it wasn't like I had a fear of driving, but I just, I don't know. It was almost like a confidence issue maybe too, even though like, I'm like an oxy, like oxymoron when it comes to being like, I'm the most unconfident, confident person you'll ever fucking meet, probably. <laughs> when it comes to certain things, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, it's in your head, I guess, sometimes. Like, I should have driven a lot sooner. I could have driven a lot sooner. But another thing that I like to say to people, and I like when they're, you know, people are like, oh, you don't have your license. Uh, you're not a man or you don't have your license. Mm. You should be able to drive yourself around. I always look at those guys and I'm like, dude, I'm an environmentalist. I care about everyone on this planet. Yeah, but you're also full of shit when you say that. Like, you know (laughs) how full of shit you are when you say that. My dad tried using that excuse a few times. He was like, yeah, me and this, there was this guy in the neighborhood who was like actually an environmentalist and he took his bike everywhere. And like, he's very active. And my father was not that. And he was like, yeah, me and this guy, we're both environmentalists. Like, fuck off, dad. You're not, you're not fooling anybody. I love that he used that sales point too, right? Because oh, yeah. it was funny to use that shit, yeah. right? I, I enjoyed that a lot, being able to say that. And it's funny we're talking about this because I remember when we went to Calgary to go see uh, Jay and Silent Bob get old, that podcast. Um, yeah. On the way back, I had to get you to drive because I was exhausted. Like I had worked that yeah. morning at 4 a.m., did my whole shift, showered, picked you up. We went to Calgary, had dinner uh, with our cousin Allison at the Last Best Pub which I still stand by. It's one of the coolest pubs I've ever been to in Calgary. I think probably like probably in the country, I will like attest to that. It was just a cool pub to be at. And yeah, then, it was a pretty sick spot. And then like, I was just, we were driving back and I was just exhausted. And I go like, Sean, do you have a license? He goes, I've, I think you had a learner's or then, or like, I had a learner's, you said, yeah. or you're like, I, I know how to drive. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta drive for like an hour. I can't, I, <laughs> yeah. I just can't do it. Well, it was, it was funny too because like around that point, you know what? God, how many years ago was that? Now like five, six years ago? Uh, yeah, I think we're going on six years, uh, five years, four years, maybe. Yeah, something like that. So around that time period, I had been like prepping to get my license. I had I already had my learners. I'd been driving like my buddy, one of my closest friends. He uh, works with me, and mm-hmm. he he was always willing to let me drive his car. He taught me a lot of what I know when it comes to driving. Mm-hmm. He's like the best worst driver in ways that you'll ever meet like yeah, he, does shit, those. he does shit horribly wrong but he gets away with it and drives well like yeah. but anyways so i was driving with him lots around the time so when my side of that story 
when we went to Calgary and you were like, you know, like maybe I'll get you drive on the way home. Or I don't remember like what, at what point exactly it was where you, where I took over the reins. I feel like we weren't that far out of Calgary. Like I feel like I drove for probably hour and a half, maybe, maybe half the trip. Right. You, you drove for like a good little while back. Cause I was just done. Yeah. And so like, I remember I was like, you were like, I got to do this. You got to do this, man. And I like, I can. And I was like, I didn't want to let you down. Cause our, we had only met a few times, you know, in my head at the time, I was like, I don't know if I can do this, man. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm fucking, it, it's nighttime. It was fucking raining. <laughs> and so like, I'm like, yeah, no, it's cool. I'm trying to be cool. You know? Yeah. yeah I can handle this. Thomas. It's going to be cool. So I get on the fucking road. You fall asleep like almost immediately. Yeah. And then it's raining. It's fucking pitch blackout. And you have like the giganticest truck that anybody has fucking ever had on this planet. Oh, oh yeah. That truck was like, dr- obscene. I remember at the one point I'm in the middle lane and there's fucking semis like everywhere around me. I'm like, I'm in Semiville and Thomas is sleeping. And I'm like, I'm not going to kill myself and my cousin. I have to fucking do this. <laughs> if that's not like throw you in the deep end kind of learning, like, and it's not yeah. like I'm up to give you pointers. Like uh, the whole point no. was, Sean, you got to drive for a little bit. Cause I can't like, the thing was like, it became too dangerous for me to drive. And you and I both had work the next day. Yeah. And, and then it was just like, and so like, and what had happened was, was like, I drove you home and then I went to work. Yeah. So it was, because we got back really late and I started work at 4 a.m. And then so it was just dropping. It was your only chance to get rest. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, I got to get some sleep. Like I'm dying. Like I can't just be behind the wheel and feel how I'm feeling, man. You got like even you inexperienced is so much better than me behind the wheel. Yeah, for sure. And it's just funny. Like that was the first ever time that I ever drove on the highway. Yeah. Like that was it. I, I also like I'm of the theory that highway driving is a lot safer than street driving like just normal roads because everyone is of the same mindset of we're all going straight we're all doing this together like it for sure and it wasn't like it wasn't winter like i wouldn't have done that to you i would have been like we need to find a tim hortons immediately (laughs) yeah um it went really well mm -hmm. and uh you know moments like that are like i felt like it gave me some credentials afterwards you know Mm-hmm. Even though it's it was still like five more years that it took me to get my license after that drive, it it really like you know afterwards when I got out and I'm like yeah thanks Thomas is still trying to act cool you know to impress you and shit and then I got into my apartment and I was like whoa it was <laughs> did it it was a rush you know what I mean like not only have we seen Kevin Smith that night mm-hmm. which is like a huge thing for me and I'm sure for you yeah you know to get to like watch him do his thing in person mm-hmm. it was huge and then driving home from calgary was just like fuck yeah it was it was a good night like a yeah, great man. memory it was, it was a, and it was a good time too um i wanted to ask you how was how was your test how was that feeling for you like drive the actual driving test yeah it wasn't too bad like it was a decently sunny day being february like the roads were still a little bit snowy here and there mm-hmm. but the woman was really cool like what i found i thought i i thought i failed potentially because mm-hmm. it was really short it was maybe like 10 minutes of driving around the neighborhood and like we didn't go on any freeways we didn't go out on the highway it was nothing like that so you just you know i was a little nervous about the parallel park but i nailed it like 100 yeah. percent to the wall and she was like you know taking me back it seemed like she cut it short she's like okay i've seen enough head back to the dmv park safely and i'll discuss with you how you did so i'm like oh for fuck's sakes but in the end she was like you did great you're a very safe driver you know and that's like i was saying i'm 36 years old so driving 
mm-hmm. compared to a 16 year old taking the test, I'm a lot more responsible. I've been co-pilot for so many people and prevented a lot of accidents because of watching and paying attention and not just like counting the signs as I walk, as I drive by, you know, I'm like, I've been focused on the road as well. So, yeah. But, uh, when I got my license, um, so we call ours is called the SAQ in Quebec. Yeah. And which is really funny because our liquor stores are called the SAQ. And I just, I, for me, it's just the funniest thing in the world. Like where we buy booze is SAQ, where we learn to drive is SAQ. And that's funny. Like there, it's just, you can't, you shouldn't be doing one with the other. And then they're the same name basically. Yeah. But um, when I did my test, my, uh, the guy that was doing my test made me feel so uncomfortable the whole <laughs> time. So I get there and like, like I'm already nervous because it's a test and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not a big test guy. Like, I'm pretty good when it comes to, like, you know, doing my thing. But when it comes to tests, I just, like, I get in my head. I'm like, I got to do well on this. And I got to, like, I'm, I get nervous in that sense. That and happens. then so to make things easier to myself, I'm going to be like, I'm just going to be really friendly to this guy. And hopefully, like, if he talks to me like a person, then I'm going to be fine. Yeah. So I get this guy and he's like, it's relevant to the story. He is this angry Haitian man. And he gets into the car. And I'm like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? I'm Thomas. So I guess you're doing my test today. What's your name? He goes, they call me Mr. Man. There is no fucking way that was his name. I think he lied to me. And I think he just <laughs> wanted to make me feel like an asshole. And he was just like, it was like driving around a person that I have wronged. And I had no idea what I did. It was just <laughs> like, like, and, and like the, the whole time, like they're judging every movement you make and all that stuff. And like I did fine and I nailed my parallel parking and I obviously I passed, but yeah. the whole time I'm shitting bricks because the like he just seemed like I'm going to fight. I'm going to f- uh, fail this kid today and yeah. I'm going to ruin someone's day. When, like, someone, when someone has ownership over your future, you know, yeah. you want to like really endear yourself to them. But yeah. when your endearment gets shut down, like hard line shut down. Then you're like, where, do, where the fuck do I go from here? Should we even bother going through with this? Like, did you decide you were going to fail me before I even fucking got in the car? You yeah. know, like all that shit goes through your head, right? Yeah. And it was just like, but then I passed and I just want to, okay, thank you. And I was just like, I got my license and then I went home and I was just like, I, like it took me like a 24 hour, like just to recover from this whole thing. It was just, that's awesome. Like he made me feel just like, I don't know, like you're just, driving someone around that just is pissed off at you like it's so uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) see like i can understand that like in ways as the guy because like when you do any job you know you know you find ways you get bored i guess you get really good at your job if you've done it long enough and you get bored so like myself the way that i throughout my different careers that i've had the way that i've found ways to like make it not seem so monotonous is to fuck with people Oh, a hundred percent. Like it helps, you know? So like he might've been in character for that drive, which oh, is totally that, possible. Yeah. Like I used to, I worked at 7-Eleven when I was 18 yeah. and I used to just run characters all day long, <laughs> different accents, different, like it was a great practice of just, cause I was bored as hell. Yeah. You know, I worked the night shift graveyard shift. It was 11 PM to 7 AM. And all night people just came in and I was just running things, running things, running things because I had nothing better to do in it. It was yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. You had to entertain yourself uh, like one way or another, right? For and sure. I'm convinced that that's what they do at that place. I think that the job itself isn't all that like glamorous. I do think that it must pay well to do it. Like it must yeah. pay well. No, decently. Yeah. 
but anyway, I think like to have that job, I think people wake up in the morning sometimes and go, all right, I'm going to ruin someone's fucking day and it's going to be delightful. (laughs) It's like how we all get together in elementary school and you get a substitute teacher and you're just like, all right, so we're all going to ruin her day. Yeah, cool. (laughs) I don't understand how every almost every single person I know has a story about fucking over a substitute teacher. Oh, I think it's a rite of passage for everybody. I don't think any Seriously. teacher I had had a good day. <laughs> I I had like, I don't know, a couple instances like that in elementary. I remember we actually had one teacher who like quit and got reassigned. She was like a new teacher and she was nothing wrong with her. She was a nice person, but we felt that she jaded one of the other kids in the class was like too rude to her. Yeah, And it was like children of the corn type scene. Like we all started, it started by banging our fists on the desk when she was telling us what to do. <laughs> 30 kids like yeah. bongoing the fucking drums on the desks. And this poor woman, she was like maybe like 26, 27 years old, like a, a fairly new teacher. She like had a complete breakdown, started like crying and left the room. And we all were like rejoicing. Like we were banging our fists and banging our knees under the desks. And everyone was just going to town, like all 30 kids, no remorse, like man. And it was like, so after she left, there was like this dead silence of like, Hey, what now? We, we like, we, we rose, we took out the teacher with our power. What now? And our principal came in and just fucking blasted us for like an hour, like, you know he was so pissed right one of his teachers just quit because of us little assholes and he actually taught that class for the rest of the year because she never came back yeah i i remember we got a high school teacher not she wasn't like a substitute she was just replacing the teacher that got pregnant so while she was on her mat leave this teacher came in and um just no one took her seriously and yeah. like I remember, like I was a little asshole. Like I guess if I like I saw her again, I should probably apologize. But like, there like <laughs> there was a time like, like we were supposed to read this French book, and I didn't. But also like I was that way for like most of my courses. Like I just didn't do the work ever. I was able to get by on just hearing other people talk and then making my own thoughts based on that. And like I, like I would talk confidently enough that it sounded like I saw or read or did the work but like like she would come in and she was like we're having a a test on uh, chapters one and two one and two of this french book uh you're not allowed the book like so you're not allowed the book and here's the test yeah and i handed it right back to her going like there's no way i'm passing this she goes one of the questions is what's the title of the book i go i don't even know to tell you the truth i don't even know (laughs) and and i handed it back to her i'm just like i'll take the zero it's fine and she's like are you serious i'm like do you do you want to correct a thing where i'm just lying and trying to get by and you know i don't know the answers or would you like me to be honest like yeah i just handed the paper right back to her i'm just like there's no way i'm doing well on this i'll get you on the next one (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) yeah Yeah, poor teachers man teachers have had it rough and like especially during now and the pandemic and stuff like oh yeah they're they're heroes and i like that like with the pandemic and schools closing down as they have I think a lot more parents appreciate those teachers when they realize what the hell they have to go through and how hard it is to teach kids shit. Oh yeah. Uh, there, there was just a strike here on a Wednesday where like all the, all the teachers are out striking. Cause like they've been shit on here. Like there's a lot of like back and forth on what, what the plan is with the pandemic, with the teaching. And then yeah. they're also tremendously underpaid and like parents, like, 
I don't want to shit on everyone because we're all in this rough time, but like parents can't do the homeschooling while working from home and all this stuff. Like it is a hard time for everybody, but it's also really hard on these teachers. And like, like I get it and I feel for them and I don't know what the right answer is, but fuck, if it's shelling out like some extra money, we really should. Cause these are the, like the hardest workers and they, they only get paid for their day, but then their work starts when they get home with all the corrections and the class prep and all that stuff. Like if you don't sure. have like a lot of the teachers here, I can't speak for like other provinces, but a lot of teachers here, yeah. they're like they have classes throughout the day. They may have one, maybe two free periods, but like I doubt yeah. it. And like you can't get all your work done in a day. No, and that's like, you know, what we forget sometimes is that like we hear like the teachers are getting cut funded and all this kind of shit. And it's like, man, like these guys are literally helping to shape the future of our country and the future generations of the people and how they act and how they behave. Cause you learn a lot from your teachers. Yeah. You know, like obviously you have your parents and like all the other influences in your life, but these people spend a lot of time, like legit teaching you. Mm-hmm. And if we lack the ability to support them, then what we're really saying is we lack the ability to move forward as a society in like a really intellectual kind of way, you know, and that, that's yeah. concerning sometimes when, if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, it's like, if you, if you're running a convenience store and you know, you shit on your employees and then they shit on your customers, mm-hmm. people might not come back. It's like, but you look at that in like the spectrum of um, teachers. Like if, if teachers do get shafted and they're like, ah, fuck it. I don't care anymore. Yeah. It's probably not a good thing for a society to have that attitude. And like, I'm sure a lot of them aren't that way. They're very passionate about what they do and they want to educate, you know, the future generations but while doing that, while getting kind of feeling like you're getting kind of screwed over, it's not an easy road, I guess. Oh, I think you have to have that passion to be a teacher. I think that's what drives you. Like, I have a few friends that are teachers and like, you know what, when it comes to like child uh, development and all that stuff, it, this is what they love to do. And it's unfortunate. Like, it, it gets unfortunate when you get jaded at something you love. Yeah, you know for I mean? sure. So yeah. um, while we're on the topic of schools, did you like your childhood growing up were you always in the same school like I know a lot of people who were like same elementary same junior high same high school for all the years or did you guys did you have to switch schools very much I guess is my question Um, so like elementary school I went to like the same one to the fifth grade so Quebec runs differently so elementary school is kindergarten to grade six and high school is grade seven to grade 11 okay so for grade kindergarten through grade five same school and then we moved and like because the year but like we moved the year before when i was in the fifth grade but because of this i was late for school every day and then they didn't have like busing system where we lived right and so it was just a headache of just all right here's thomas he's 20 minutes late here's thomas he's 10 minutes late here's thomas and like like i would get in trouble and i'm just like but the thing that would make me mad is just do you think i'm the one driving the car i'm 10 <laughs> Like, why are you mad I, at I me? I remember that too. Yeah. Getting shit for that when you're a kid and you're late. You're like, like, why, why are you pointing the gun at me? Yeah. Like, not cool. Like, I get, I get that it sucks and I disrupted the class, but like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, like, I got here when I got here and we live a little bit further away and it's a bit of a pain in the ass. I'm sorry. But like, to get mad at me when I'm 10 and I'm clearly not the one in charge of me getting here, I don't know what you want. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so so in the sixth grade, I went to another school where like we had busing and it was like biking distance and all that. So we did that. And then I went to high school um, again, the same kind of routine where I went to the same place till 
the 10th grade. And then my graduating year, I went to this um, hockey prep school, first year of it running kind of thing. Okay. Uh, my dad was involved as like a hockey scout for this place. And he wanted like, because he was working with it, I, I got involved and, you know, it was weird. Like there were like three people in my graduating class only because that's how many people that would have graduated. Anyway. So a hundred percent of my graduating class graduated. That's pretty um, impressive. It's three people. Yeah. Impressive numbers nonetheless. Um, and then uh, like, and then it was like his first year running. So they got teachers that weren't, I don't want to say that they weren't the best, but they were new. Yeah. Like, I remember my English teacher was like first language German second language french third language english and she was teaching us english and like i wrote they like we were doing like short stories and stuff for like the first three terms i would get a hundred percent in english that's not right like that 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 should never happen and i was doing that's it that's funny but like i i was going to like my parents like i got a hundred percent in english what do you mean you got a hundred i got a, i don't know what to tell you i got a hundred percent in english <laughs> It, even I know, like my lowest mark was a 96. Wow. And it has nothing to do with my talent as a student because I should not be pulling down those grades. I know this. <laughs> Talk to me for an hour. You'll know this. Like, this isn't like a thing I, I should be good at. But my last year of high school, I was pulling down crazy grades in English class. Um, it was a, weird a funny experience. circumstance. Yeah, it was a weird experience. It was a thing like we did like hockey training in the morning so we were on the ice for like an hour hour and a half and then we would do dry land training for an hour and a half shower have lunch go to school in the afternoon in the evening and then and then come home it was like a weird way of learning like like you go you go to these things and like i don't know like i don't know if i enjoyed my time there yeah and if i can go back in time i wouldn't change it either because that's where I met yeah. my best friend. My best friend's a guy named Marty and he's from New Zealand and he came to the school. He's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Cause his story is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, he has, he's uh, from New Zealand. His father's from Jamaica. His mom's from England and he's in Canada to be a hockey player. And now he's like an amazing coach. I'm not sure if you can see it, but I'm wearing his hat right now. This is ML hockey development. It's his little, um, it's his hockey development program that he runs and he's doing an amazing job with it. Uh, if you follow on Instagram, uh, I got to pull I up. Will, yeah. Yeah. I got to pull up what his actual uh, ad is, but um, he's doing something amazing here. And I, but he is so hilarious with his story. So his, uh, so his ad on Instagram is ML hockey development. So you can follow him there. He does these amazing hockey drills and, has these quotes of the day and he's all about the development of hockey players. It's a really cool thing he's doing. Um, yeah, that sounds then, cool. So he came with us to, back for Christmas one year. Cause it was, like, we're all in this school and again, he's from New Zealand. So I go up to him. I'm yeah. like, Marty, what are you doing for Christmas? I, I'm probably gonna have to stay here, man. I'm not going home or I go, not on my fucking watch. You are and like, I go, Marty, you're coming home with me. And like, I didn't even give my mom an option. I That's awesome. To, uh, I called home and went, so Marty's going to come home with me for Christmas. And she's just like, who's Marty? I'm like, he's my buddy here. He's from New Zealand. You're going to love him. Uh, he's coming home with us for Christmas because he's, he's not going to just, he's not going to stay here. Like we do, yeah. like, you know, we do Christmas right in my family. Like my mom cooks this amazing turkey dinner. She does this amazing brunch. Like, 
that woman works so hard on that day it's amazing what she pulls off and like christmas is like a big thing in our family and i was like fuck it like the more the merrier come on down bud and he came and he had a great time and then we never got rid of him it was that's awesome (laughs) he stayed with us for i think a good like i think he went home for a little bit but like he still lives in canada now in, in quebec now and he has a wife and child and he has his own business but I mean, he's traveled the world. He played for Team New Zealand as a hockey team. His story is unbelievable. I want to have him on one day for our podcast because I want to also get Kieran on because I think it would be a cool thing for when we get to know each other. We have that other person that knows us from a different perspective. And then you can... For sure. It's nice to hear those stories from like a best friend because, you know, we can, you know, open up all day long, but getting the flavor of your best friend really tells a lot about who you are too, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It was interesting, like you'd asked me about traditions in our first podcast and like family traditions and stuff like that. And Christmas is a huge one for me too, like you mentioned. Yeah. And it's neat, like how, like you ha- telling that story of having Marty like coming to your your Christmases and stuff like that. It's yeah. pretty cool to have traditions like that too, right? Oh yeah, and it's perfect. I think he's gonna like. I'm not even gonna tell him that he's a big part of the podcast this week, and he's just gonna listen and be delighted. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely um, cool. Not to switch gears on you, but um, we've been talking quite a bit. And speaking of like length, you you watched the Snyder Cut recently, right? Yeah, I sure managed to watch it. It took me a lot because it's a four hour fucking long movie. Yeah, but it was worth it. You know, it was damn good. I had to stop it a few times to like do a couple other things because sitting down for four hours in like the middle of an afternoon on a weekend is like a hard fucking feat to manage. But I watched it. I liked it. I like the characters. I like the writing. So I have to like let you in on this. I didn't watch the original. Okay. So you have no comparison point. I have no comparison point. I just watched the Snyder cut from what I'm told. It was probably the good way to go. Like it's cool to be able to see the differences, but now that I've seen like what people are calling the better one, I don't know that I need to go and watch the other one, Mm -hmm. Um, but I very much enjoyed it. I mean, you can always go back to it at any point and just so you can have that comparison. I got to say, yeah. that they're, like, I'm glad we got this movie. I'm glad because with everything that happened to Zack Snyder, when he because he lost his daughter, she killed herself. And that was the reason why he uh, left the original film. OK, so, I mean, uh, it's a, like a I tragic didn't know the story. ins and outs of that. Sorry, that's crazy. I yeah, didn't know the ins and outs of that. I never heard that. Yeah, it's a tragic story. And then they brought in Joss Whedon to like finish the project, which at the time I was all for because like I thought he did amazing on the Avengers. But then like he took things that he was doing and then he changed the vibe up a lot. And the thing, the difference between Avengers and like uh, Justice League is DC is always a darker thing. It's just it's how it's always been and all that. I know people want like a more comedy vibe out of it, but it's it is what DC is. They are just a darker gloom kind of side of the comic books which is fine like I'm, I'm all for it i'm a big fan and then getting to see this i thought i saw a lot of more justice to characters so in this we see uh more of a cyborg story told where like in the first movie like the first take of it he's not as big as a character uh, like they cut a lot of his stuff out and the, like cyborgs and cyborg's huge in this movie because like yeah like he's connected to the box and his like machine system like all that is very was very cool to see that opening scene with uh wonder woman like it's in the original but not to the extent that we saw when she comes in with her wrist shields and just starts 
it was so metal. I loved it. Um, yeah, it was good. Uh, I'm a big, I was a big fan of Ben Affleck's Batman. Like I've gone on record with anyone that will listen. Like I think this is one of the best Batmans we have ever gotten on film. Yeah. To the point where like, just like visually stunning. I remember like when we saw Batman versus Superman, he's using the grappling gun, not just as we've always seen in the movies where he just shoots it up and then goes away, but he's using it as a tool and uh, and it's been great to see like you it's very comic book to screen for me for me that's what it was and, yeah that makes sense um i love seeing uh, superman in the black suit and then the the time that it took to you know gain his memory back realize who he is and who he was uh one thing that they don't clarify on and we'll never find out how they do this because they say clark can't die but Clark Kent comes back. Like you see Clark Kent goes back to the Ken farm and he starts living the buying the house back at the end. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. For sure. Um, but then I want to know, how is the Daily Planet going to explain that Clark Kent is fine? Yeah, and, that's a good point. And he didn't die. And also Superman's back. Yeah, we made a mistake. Yeah, sorry. We, we, let me Let us run this print. You know, he's... He's back. Uh, we fucked up. He didn't really die. Yeah, you, you have very good points. But but it's all but it's also the um, it's it's also the uh, uh, the fact that Clark Kent and Superman come back on the same time. It's gonna raise a whole bunch of questions. Going like, huh? That's odd. They died on the same day, and they also came back on the same day. What do you know? <laughs> One thing, like I'll say this about the Snyder Cut and. It's going to be a little bit controversial what I'm about to say, mm-hmm. but I feel like Endgame it, it dragged out a little bit near the end. Mm-hmm. It didn't keep me totally interested. Like I, I love Iron Man and like all the like the tribute scene. Man, it felt like it felt like I'd been watching it for 40 hours by the time that it got through it, mm-hmm. and it, it just felt tough for me. The last like long part of that movie was really tough. Whereas watching like the Schneider cut, yeah, yeah, it was four hours, but I was pretty engaged the whole time in the story because there was like evolution happening. You know, if there wasn't, if they weren't like doing tributes to characters, they were just simply continuing on with the story, I yeah. felt. And I really found it engaging in that way. And like, I've had that problem with like Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. I don't know if you've watched Lord of the Ring movies. Many times, yeah. I went to the theater to see Return of the King. I was like, I thought it had ended like six times. Oh, I agree with you there. That movie could have ended six times. Yeah. Um, for so what you were saying about Endgame, I go, I agree. Like, I agree that like it was a long movie, but yeah. I don't like. I don't think any of those scenes were unnecessary. No, you know, like I, I, think, I feel that I understand that. I just like to, like they were necessary scenes, but it was just like a little bit dragged out to me like i, I mm. liked it don't get me wrong i'm not saying i hate the movie or anything like that but i just mm. felt like if i was to compare endgame and schneider cut for being lengthy movies and telling like great superhero stories i just felt like i was more engaged during the snyder cut at the mm. end of it than i was at endgame the only thing that like bought like i love those scenes in justice league those 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 scenes the. Uh... We got the 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 Martian Manhunter scene talking to Bruce Wayne, and then going to the the Nightmare Universe to see that was like that was um, weird. Yeah, I really like those scenes. However, it just seemed like we have them. Let's just put them there. 
Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I do agree with that for sure. It was, it threw me for a loop because I was like, what the hell is happening right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't get the whole dream sequence thing at first, but it was and like. Also, they don't really explain that dream sequence because they no. keep talking about how this happens and this is a potential future and like they're trying to avoid it. And the worst part is, is that we're never going to really get that explained to us because the Warner Brothers has gone on record saying that Zack Snyder, like, is like after the Snyder cut, he's done. But also, yeah. they also said that we were never going to see the Snyder Cut. And True. if Warner Brothers is smart, they're going to look at this as the giant cash grab that it is. Like, For sure. Like, the, like if you're not in, like, I don't understand movie, movie studios that aren't in this for fan service. Like, this was a fight yeah. from the fans to go, we want to see this movie. It's out there. Like, I don't understand. Like, take my money, Warner Brothers. Take it. Yeah. Like, we want to give it to you. You have a good sure. product and we want to watch it. Like, please give it to us. And it took uh, a crazy amount of time and a lot of like extreme things from fans. Like fans would buy billboards in LA going release the Snyder cut. Yeah. Uh, took the Twitter, sent things in to Warner Brothers. And like, it was almost like a form of terrorism in a way. <laughs> I like the power of fandom when it like, you know, when you hurt fanboys or you hurt our like existence in a way. We do have a voice. <laughs> exactly. And the, but that's like like this is like the first time like a movie studio has caved and went, all right, we'll give it to you. And and like HBO Max sales went way up and then like released this movie and everyone wanted to see it. Like even for me, like I bought HBO and Crave just so I could watch this movie like it like yeah like that was a big selling point for me because like okay well if it's gonna be there i'm gonna i'm gonna go to there to see it definitely no and, and it's good when they can put out a product that's so good that you'll add another streaming service to your already many streaming services yeah so here's my question for you do you think that this is going to change <laughs> the movie industry a bit like do you think we'll start like if a filmmaker has a vision of a movie and that movie is now four hours long five hours long do you think that we will start to see the more extended cuts or like more or have more access to an extended cut of a film like i know when lord of the rings came out there was the theatrical version and then there was the version we all bought and it was the each movie is three and a half hours long and you have yeah. to set aside a whole weekend to watch all three in a row if that's what you wanted to do like yeah. do you think that the movie industry is going to change its ways and they make movies more of an event. I think that like it's an option now more so than ever. You know what I mean? Like you look at old timey movies. There was like four or five hour long movies. You know, some of the classics that are just like really, really, really long. Mm -hmm. And it's because they had the, a good story to tell and they kept you engaged. And like, I think that, you know, it depends on the writers and the story itself and the director. If there's a good story to tell, it needs to be a long movie. You know, mm -hmm. we've had the long movies in the past, like Braveheart was a long ass movie, you know, a lot of it, like Gone with the Wind was really, really long, like movies that can stand the time or stand, uh, stand through the ages. Right. And it's hard to say, like, I don't think that it's going to become like overly popular where every movie is going to be long, but like, if you have like a rom-com or like, you know, a love story movie, they don't need to be four hours long. You know what I mean? But like certain ones with like the fanboy storytelling ones, I think that they could easily release three, four, even a five hour movie 
And we would definitely go and watch it and sit through it because if the story that needs to be told takes that long to tell, it's worth it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I'm like, I'm kind of all for this. Like I was able to sit through all of um, all of Justice League and just be engaged in the whole movie. Like, so there's some there's some fat you could have trimmed off, but I got yeah. I was on board for all of it. Um, I really want more Deathstroke. Um, I really want more Lex Luthor. I want like I want more of all of it. I, Definitely. I want more like if we got this Jared Leto Joker that we saw in that nightmare uh, nightmare scene that with a if that Joker was in Suicide Squad, I would have loved it. And apparently, there's this whole thing with the David Ayers cut of Suicide Squad that will transform the movie. And D- Warner Brothers got on record saying again, we're not going to give this to you. We're not going to do it. Hmm. Like, but yeah. W- but why not? Like, why not give this to us? Make a special edition DVD. Make a put a put it on HBO Max, and then you know do what Disney Plus does. For Charge sure. an additional fee if you want to see it early, or you're gonna have to wait. Like, they're only gonna make money off this stuff. Why? For sure. Why not give the people what we want? And when you I do think a like thing the like Schneider that, cut might change that too, right? Like, they might actually start looking at that more seriously and go, okay, you know what? We did make X amount of dollars on this, and like. That is what it should be to them. Like we don't want them to only do it for the money. They want we want them to do it for the storytelling and to do it right and all that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like you're a fucking company out there trying to make money. We're fucking telling you and crying to you to fucking give us the things so that we, like you said, throw our money at you. Like just come on, let's do it. And that's the thing that Marvel has done consistently well over DC in at least the filmmaking department. Um, yeah. Like they have Kevin Feige running the show that is not only a smart executive, but he's a fan of the material. For sure. So he like he's not busting out. He we haven't we don't get bad stuff from Marvel because the people involved are Marvel people. Like when yeah. Disney bought this stuff, they kept like we're having people that are involved in the product that know what the product is, and they're going to give the, the fans what they want. You're going to see decent comic book from page to screen, r- good stories. And then we're and then when it comes to DC, I don't know who's involved. Like I haven't done the research on who's running the show for Warner Brothers DC programming. Yeah, but I don't think that that person is a comic book fan. For sure. And we're starting to see more of that, like coming to surface, like you said, with Marvel. Um, Star Trek is also like that. A lot of the people involved in making it, they are big fans. And that lends itself to the fan base. And, you know, always you're going to have people that aren't happy. But at the the end of the day, if you have people that want to, like, protect the storylines of your shows and Mm -hmm. move it forward, you'll end up loving it more as the years go by. You know, and if you make a good product, it'll sell. I agree wholeheartedly, and that, and I think that's what we're seeing with the the rise of these, you know, streaming services and uh, like new ways of doing that. I hope it's a game changer for filmmaking because I'm actually down for more things like like this, where we we're gonna get a great story told. All, all of a sudden, we just gotta just bear with it. It's you're gonna have to set aside an afternoon. Don't make any plans that day because we're watching. But I want like I would like it if the movie theater event became more of an event. Like when we start going back to normal and start going to movie theaters, like yeah. the Cineplex is doing this thing where they have the Cineplex VIP where you can go and have a nice dinner and have a few cocktails and order cocktails while you're watching a movie and someone brings it to you. For can sure. You imagine if the movie theater experience became more like the theater experience of old where I like that. Yeah. Here we are. Here's the first hour and a half of the show. 
All right. We're gonna take a break. Everyone go yeah. to the bathroom, have a few cocktails. You got 20 minutes or so of just. I've been to movies where they did that, like in the theater where they did have like an intermission and it's nice. But like, this is one thing at one point I wanted to make to you about the four or five hour movie in the theater is like, like you said about Cineplex VIP, there's also in Edmonton now in St. Albert, there's uh, landmark cinemas and they're moving it in that direction too with comfortable lazy boy chairs. But like, like I, I think it was Batman Superman. I went to movie theater and saw mm. and my ass took a pounding mm. on those regular seats. Yeah. Like I, I was enjoying the movie, but the last hour I was like, I just want this fucking movie then, man. Like being a bigger guy, you're like trying to get comfortable in the seat that's it's made for like a hundred and eighty pound man, which I am definitely not at max. And I'm sitting there like I got shit digging into me, you know, there's strangers next to me. Like I couldn't do a four hour movie like that. I think I would literally hit a breaking point because I feel like that coming in a two and a half hour movie. I feel that breaking point coming. Like I said, I saw Return of the King in the theater and it was the same goddamn thing. And it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying the movie. It was that I was like, I just want this fucking thing to end because my ass is fucking hurting from sitting in the seat. Yeah. I can't do it anymore. You know, so they would have to really like drive towards that new style of cinema, like you said, where it is a comfort cinema, which mm-hmm. is nice because then you like I could theoretically lay on a lazy boy chair and watch a movie that's four hours. But like it has to be well planned out in the sense of like the person putting on the venue. And that's like something that maybe people should take note of this podcast with what we're saying right now and open up a special theater that's designed for the five, six hour movie, you know, yeah. where it is like super comfort based. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see like how things move forward, but also like VOD has been a big thing. So I think more people are like, yeah. if you are that way to watch it in the comfort of your own home where you can lie down on the couch and no one's going to be like, Hey, class it up a little bit like for sure imagine a world where it's like you know the big ufc card on saturday night's happening it's going to be live it's going to be this great fight but a wicked ass movie that you've been waiting a couple years to see yeah you know where it's like a pay-per-view type service where it's release day and you can watch it like that like i don't know if it could drive towards that point yeah well we're seeing that now like we they announced that black widow is going to be released on disney plus for that premium access fee so like for like the price of what the blu-ray would cost you can watch black widow at home right which um i haven't paid into it yet i haven't seen any like the new movies that were like pay for access but i'm willing to bet that that would be the first movie i do that for yeah it's tough with things like that like you want to love your fan base and you want to like support them and stuff like that but other times it's like i'm already paying for the streaming service and it's like you know, it's like, I don't know. It, I get that it's all about money and we're, we have to be willing to pay for what we love sometimes to see it. Mm. But it's also painful sometimes when you're like a lot's out at the same time and you have to pick and choose. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, speaking of watching stuff at home, uh, I, you know, I was talking last week about how I didn't finish season three of uh, Star Trek Discovery. And right. I'm happy to announce completed it loved it um it, i found that the whole season as a whole was a slow build to the most metal season of a show i've seen in a long time um it's a really good really good journey yeah uh right off the bat the, like the the big like uh like the roller coaster drop for me when i started like really enjoying it was the unif- unification part three and what i really like is that it's called unification part three because unification part ones and two 
take place in Star Trek Next Generation, where Spock's yeah. trying to reunite um, the the, the uh, Vulcans, Vulcans and the Romulans. And, yeah, yeah. And he's and that story being continued in the sense that we're on a new version of Vulcan. Uh, was it Navarre, right? Navarre, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just a continuation. And then you get that clip scene from TNG of Leonard Nimoy as Spock giving his whole like feelings towards these people do want to come back and it, uh, it would be an injustice of me to not help them. Yeah. It was super cool. Like I love the throwbacks that discovery has done, like even in the previous season to the original series. And now they've lent themselves to the next generation with including Spock and like as a tribute to Leonard Nimoy, you know, who'd passed away probably not that far away from filming. So it probably had some effect on the writers to include that, but it, it was just a cool story. Like, and I like the idea of like, where will a planet evolve in seven, 800 years, you know, do people change? How do things change? And that's what was great about the story arc of discovery is that like every planet, every, every like system is changed because it's been like almost a millennia. And I also like that they, they touch on uh, the time event of what happened in that Star Trek movie. So they're all living in that universe of, of the Star Trek movie where the, the Romulan ship goes back in time and all of Romulus is gone. Right. They, they take that premise and they're all living in that world. So a lot of the Romulans that were living on that planet were Romulans that had already moved over to Vulcan and tried to repopulate it. For and sure. Well, they're also- taking premise of like, not so much of the 2009 movie, Mm-hmm. But it's from the um, the last Next Generation movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With um, like that was the the kicking off point because like the last movie with uh, Picard was mm-hmm. it it was when they gave the opportunity for Pike or for uh, sorry the new Star Trek movies to come out and take off in a different direction, kind of from there. Yeah, but Discovery is not following that same universe, the Kelvin timeline. It's following still the Prime timeline. Because that did still happen already, like the destruction of Romulus, yeah. which is interesting. So it's like a different take. But like like you said, it's neat the way that the refugees had some needed somewhere to go. Because they ended up on Vulcan, they were able to like bring that relationship full. And yeah, yeah. it was a good storyline. Um, the goodbye episode of Philippa Giorgio. Amazing episode. Um, Wicked. Do you think that's the end of her? Do you, do you, will we see her again? Yeah, she's going to have her own show, from what I understand. Oh, really? Yeah, they were talking about doing a Section 31 show, and that she was going to be one of the leads. So I love that character. She's such a badass. Oh, yeah. And the one thing that disappointed me from that whole episode is, like, I wanted Lorca to come in. Like, I was just waiting to see Jason Isaacs, and I'm like, where is he? Where is he? You keep (laughs) saying his name. Where is he? I want to see him. I want to see him. I love that actor from, like... For sure. uh, He was tremendous. Do you think we've seen the last of him? Sorry? You think we've seen the last of him? I hope not. I just like seeing that actor work. Like, yeah. We we haven't seen what happened to Prime Lorca. We yeah. only saw what happened to Mirror Lorca, right? Yeah. So there's still the opportunity to have Jason Isaacs come back in and rep- reprise the role. And it's going to, if he, if they do, it's going to be like a stand up and clap moment possibly. Yeah. And what Which was is- great about the this series is you get a lot of powerful moments. Um, there is the, the the scene between Admiral Vance and uh, Osira, and yeah. they're trying to do, negotiate peace. And what I really liked is that we're getting to see Starfleet 
at its core for what it is. He goes, listen, we want peace. You want peace. Yeah. But we want a representative who isn't you, who isn't going to push your agenda. And we want the only reason, the only way that we can accomplish that is if we get somebody else who would arrest you for your terrorist crimes against Starfleet and what you were doing. And when I saw that scene, I was like, fucking spot on like this was like metal and she wants she doesn't want to go to prison for all of her atrocities like no like you gotta pay for like if, if that was the price for peace and if this is what you want like i get not wanting to go to jail and yeah. wanting to have peace but i mean when they turned like i thought that was a metal scene yeah and like to speak to that i feel like he was um testing to see if she truly was into peace because we all like like the idea of having a better future, but what are we willing to sacrifice to be part of that future? What if that future, what if like you have the ability to make the future amazing, but you don't get to be a part of that future? Yeah. You don't get to be the guy who signs those papers. You're going to be on the sidelines. And I like, I like that aspect of it too, right? Is where yeah. he's like saying like, you know, I, I want what you want, what you're saying you want, but you have to prove it by not being a part of it, you know? Yeah. And that was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, and then the Michael Burnham and Stamet scene where he really, like, so when Osiris crew takes over Discovery and, like, he's, like, they keep him alive and they keep him kept because he can run this, uh, the spore drive. And then when Michael Burnham comes in to save him and he's like, you got to save my family that's still on this planet. They're, they're, they're getting in all this radiation. Like we got to save them. And yeah. she's like, I, I, I can't, we can't use the spore drive. I can't have you here. We got to send you to this other ship. You are the only person that can run this. And then he goes, we sacrificed everything to come here and save you. So you wouldn't be alone. And now when I'm asking you the same thing, you won't do it for me. And then, and what like it, it's heartbreaking but you understand it like the great the the good of the uh many doesn't uh doesn't outweigh yeah. the good of the one and like and you see the pain and one of my favorite parts of all of that was at the end of the last episode where he's reunited with his family um and she's overlooking and she smiles but he gives her a look that you just know in our upcoming season four, there's going to be some issues there. For sure. It was, she kept her word. She She's the one that saved them. She did it. Yeah. But she took chances at the time, same time, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a very, very well-written season. I love, like, Michael Burnham, Sonequa Martin-Green, mm-hmm. hell of an actress. Oh, she's amazing. And, like, she has this, like, part in New Girl that makes me laugh. She, uh, did you ever watch New Girl? No, I never seen it. Hilarious show. Anyway, she she dates one of the main characters, and her name's Rhonda. But she does yeah. like these outrageous p- pranks, and she just goes, "You got Rhonda." And so you, when you see her and that, and then you see her become Michael Burnham, and there's just it just ex- explores like the range of That's what funny. she can do, and she's funny, and she has such amazing acting chops. I like I I know her from Walking Dead. Like that was where I like learned about her as an actress you know what i mean and she had a really good role in that show so oh she was on long i i think everyone gets off that walking dead bus um at some point and for me it was early on when the show stopped being about zombies i yeah kind of yeah that's fair yeah so i got off that bus around season three 
I'm still kind of on the bus. I, I'm just like, well, at this point, you might as well finish. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'm slow on the bus. Like, I'm probably a season behind right now. Mm-hmm. But it's still like, I like, I've always been super into zombie stuff my whole life. And I always wanted a zombie show. And finally, finally, I got a zombie show. And it, it kept me into it for so long. And I'm so invested into the characters. And like, there's a lot of, like you said, you get off at this stop because you're like, I'm done with this shit. Yeah. You know, and I, like I, I've seen those moments and like I've, you know, having other friends. I used to have Walking Dead watch parties at my house oh, and really? I had like a bunch of buddies come over and we'd watch it together and stuff like that. And like none of them are still watching it. I'm the last left on the bus and, and it's fine. Like it. what's that? Sorry. You're just holding on to it. eh? Yeah. Well, and like I just I still am invested in it. And it's one of those things, though, where it, it does piss you off. You know, and I got Crystal into it too, right? So we watch it together. But it's just one of those things where, like, there's a lot of great storytelling inside of it. And like you said, a lot of times it has nothing to do with zombies anymore. It's more of just, like, a people show. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's that's what I like about shows sometimes that do explore, like, possible realities. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And, like, I guess that would be what the story would be told in a zombie world of just, like, yeah, the zombies are here, but they're not the main bad guys it's humanity you like it's a story about humanity dealing with shit yeah exactly can we make it can we get through it like the trauma that everyone faces and like the ptsd that everyone suffers from all the traumas of life because like in a way we already live in a zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. it's just not a zombie apocalypse it's it's the struggles of how we interact with each other and different cultures and different races. like it's all a big like melting pot of reality and other people's realities and how we all interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it feels like it is, you know, an, an apocalypse that we're surviving through, even though like any day an apocalypse can happen in reality. Yeah. You know, we can have a fucking gigantic rock. We're, we're on a rock right now floating through space around a flaming ball of energy. Like any, you know, anything's possible and there's so <laughs> what can I say about that other than it's a crazy world. And, you know, sometimes the walking dead shows like the horrible parts of living in a crazy world, but it also shows like the good, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, what is the point? Speaking of apocalypse stuff, I watched this movie last night, um, love and monsters. I, and it's has to do with like living in an apocalypse. Uh, the premise is uh, in order to save the planet from an asteroid, the world launches a whole bunch of missiles at it blows up this whole asteroid before it can destroy earth but because of all the radiation from the rockets it causes all the animals on planet earth to turn into these giant man-eating monsters interesting and uh this and it's the story of this guy and they now all the humans live in these little bunkers uh together but separate so like little groups of all these little bunkers all over the united states uh, and all over the world and um, this guy finds out that his ex-girlfriend lives 85 miles away and goes like, I'm alone in this, like in this bunker, everyone is partnered off. I am by myself here and she's over there. I'm just going to go. And he yeah. goes on this adventure of what takes seven, seven days on the surface with all these things that are on the surface. I want to fucking kill him. And he is um, like at the beginning of the movie is just, not a brave person like he is deer in the headlights scared of everything and it's the story of this adventure to go find her and 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 like what it is it's just a fun movie and i love a fun movie with a 
with like a, a, an interesting take on an idea. If it's a fun idea, I'm on board. Like it was very Gremlins-esque in a sense to me. And I love Gremlins. I think it's one of like the greatest ideas just yeah. put to screen. I think it's safe to say both of us are like storytellers at heart. And if you're going to be a storyteller at heart, you got to love the story. You know what I mean? And yeah. both of us can find, like I find endearment in some of the like people think are like ridiculous. Like, really? You watch that? I'm like, yeah, man, that's a good story. Great story. <laughs> that's what it was. It was a great story. And um, the actor I found familiar, the, the main actor whose name I don't have off the top of my head, but he's familiar. Like I've seen him in a few things. And I got to say his energy in that uh, starring role is unbelievable. Like he hmm. has this great presence uh, in the movie where he like he's not the bravest guy in the world but man he's quick-witted and he is he's just like i was hooked from the very beginning and it has a lot of things that you want in a movie i really recommend it. it's on netflix love and monsters and speaking yeah, of movies i've checked that out one of these days yeah and speaking of movies i've watched i did my homework did you i i, I watched scarface nice i've been waiting to ask you thoughts uh i loved it i i did uh yeah. so obviously one of pacino's best work i have no idea what he does what he's better in a son of woman godfather or this i yeah it it was fantastic from beginning to end and it was pretty it dark was eh? really dark um i mean yeah. it's just the goes to show of like greed what greed can do to a person for sure you look and at that, the and that's what that it was. was released sorry yeah Sorry, I was just saying, like, you look at the era it was released, because, like, we're in a time period right now where dark cinema is, like, a thing, you know, but it's been like that for a long time. If you watch Scarface, like, the time period that came out and where the world was at at the time, it was a pretty, like, intense movie, I bet. Well, it came out in 1983, and, yeah. like, like the actors you, like, recognize, like, F. Murray Abraham is in there. Uh, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. Just, yeah. You're, yeah. You're watching this, and you go wow like i was hooked because like 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 you see the arrogance of them right away like right in the beginning of the excuse me right in the beginning of the movie where he comes in and he's dealing with the police or the border people like when he's coming in and they ask yeah. him the questions and he's just like why are you asking me these fucking questions everyone i know is dead i'm just trying to do what's right like i'm just trying to come here and make a better life for myself and you know he's fucking lying you know he was yeah. Like, and like the, the arrogance of him that just stays like him. He, he knows how amazing of a badass he is. It's just, sure. he wants everyone else to know. And then he, and the cocaine, like as it comes and hypes him through the story is intense. Like you just, he, he plays it well, like oh, yeah. too well. <laughs> it was, it was an unbelievable watch. And then, you know, the, just visually stunning especially for the time like 1983 and you're seeing a like the when they 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 push f murray abraham out of the helicopter like i don't know i was ta i was i was on the edge of my seat for that whole movie it's like yeah pushing a three-hour movie and i'm going like holy fuck for sure it goes to what i was saying before like all of the references that i've known my entire life i go all right there's this bit oh i remember when south park did this whole scene and yeah or uh, like I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, well, I've seen, I've seen, For but, sure. but to get the emotion of it, uh, no, like, like the original, like the original, sometimes even if the original of, of a certain story isn't the best, they still, they were the first that did it. 
you know what I mean? And when you see a lot of like, there's a lot of that in Scarface, like I told you when I recommended it to you, like when you told me you hadn't seen it, I was like, oh, Thomas, it's one of those like classics that you you should see, right? Yeah. And like, there's still like a bunch of classic movies that everyone should see. And I still haven't had them. Like, I'm scared to admit it, but like Training Day, I haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, it's not like you're okay missing that one. So it was a good movie. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like not even close to the level of like a classic that everyone should. See. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's, sorry, Denzel. I didn't yeah. mean it like that. It is a good movie, but it's all the movie you won his Oscar for. But whatever. Yeah, no big deal. It's a good mm-hmm. movie, but it's not. I don't know. Not same level in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Something like Schindler's List. If you told me you hadn't seen that, then I would be like. Oh my God, Thomas! How have you not watched that? Because that's on the same level of like it's a higher level than. Okay, well, I'll Star tell Games. you right now, I haven't seen Schindler's List. Wow, Thomas! <laughs> I haven't. Like, well, you also got to look oh. at like when these movies came out, and then so there are older movies before I was born, and then when's the right time to see them? So, like you know, I you know I they come up. I I'm born in 1990, so like there's like a. 15 year age gap where these movies aren't necessarily appropriate for me yeah and then i turn an age where they are appropriate for me but know what else is coming out all these other movies (laughs) super true yeah so it's so hard to go like okay well like i'm seeing this new stuff in theaters and like to go and sit down and just like watching there's list is just not a thing that i'm doing yeah It's not like a popular thing to do, but it's just certain movies like that that need to be watched. Like as a storyteller and as someone who loves, there's like I said with Scarface, why I recommended it to you and Sean and Tom recommends our wonderful segment. Mm -hmm. I thought that uh, you needed to see it. Like you'd mentioned it to me and I was like, dude, so I'm not going to tell you to watch that today because I feel like it's your turn to recommend something to me, but it's going to come eventually and I'll give you the right time when it is time to watch it because that shit's like powerful. Yeah, and I'm all for like a powerful, powerful movie and like really feeling something. Like I'll watch Gangs of New York, and like that is an amazing movie. Um, Good movie, yeah. And like, but there's a time and a place for these powerful films, and it's hard to go in a time, especially like right now, where it's not the best time in the world. And I watch movies to escape. Yeah, I don't want to go into a world where, all right, let's go feel terrible for three hours. All right, let's do it. I feel like you have the wrong perception of the movie based on what you just said, though. I probably do. Because, like, honestly, like, you know, that movie particularly, I brought it up. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. It's not about, like, the war or, like, the atrocities. Of course, it's all about that, yes. But it's not, like, it when you think of like a film instead of a movie, when you watch a film, like, you know, you're sipping your wine, you're in France. I'm going to go and watch a film today. Mm -hmm. That movie is like start to finish a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like any time of day, anytime, like it's not going to make you feel shitty. No, like don't think that way. It, it, It like there's parts of it that are shitty of the humanity, but it's so beautiful too. Do you know the uh, story that goes with Schindler's List that's like a famous Spielberg story? No. So Steven Steven Spielberg was in a film school and uh, his professor didn't like his work. Yeah. And so he took Schindler's List and went and handed it to him as his final project. Like he dropped out, 
but he went and came back and handed him Schindler's List as his final project. And he went like it was like the one of the finest of fuck you, buddy. Like interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. No, it's something. We'll talk. Yeah. I'm gonna make you watch that shit one day, that's for sure. Yeah. So I think it's time for question of the day. And Sean, uh balls in your court for this week. It's the question of the day, good sir. Well, nothing too crazy. I mean, I think that if I had to ask you a question today, it would be do you collect anything? Uh that is a thing that has been changing through the years. So yeah. Um, I was an avid movie collector. To this day, I have a whole bunch of movies. Um, and I like I like the idea of having hard copies of things. I don't know what it is about it. It's just like in a day where I can click three buttons and I can watch that movie. Like I was telling yeah. you before, like I have a steel book version of Scarface. I watched it on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. There was something about collecting this. So I went from movies um, I got into Funko Pops, but I'm not going to like, it's not like a, a crazy collection just yet, but it's more of like, a, it's a very characters that I grew up loving or just like the odd yeah. ones. So I have like a Launchpad McQuack uh, Funko Pop and like he was my favorite character of uh, Tailspin and Duck, uh, Darkwing Duck and uh, and uh, DuckTales growing up. Yeah. Like I just like I he was. I always loved the funny character. The, so, like, if you go into like the Mickey Mouse era of things, my favorite character was going was always Goofy. Uh, you go into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mike I was always a Michelangelo yeah. guy. I had that yeah. in my head. I was gonna say already, Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. Um, so, like, I always leaned on like whoever was the funniest on TV or in that thing. I always leaned on. So, like, the, the characters I've collected. So, like, I have like a sexy Ian Malcolm Funko Pop. You know where he's like leaning on the table bandaged up shirt open uh it's just jeff goldblum and uh, jurassic park just all like sexy and whatnot so i have one of those um they're all in storage right now because since having to move from vancouver they're all boxed up but once i start uh once i go and get settled again i'll i'll have them busted out i'll create a little podcast office we'll all have them all on display for you to see but And then now I've also gotten into like a decent book collection. I, I can't be one of these people that I can't read it on a screen. It bothers me. Yeah. So I've been doing this thing and it's when I have the money to do it. I don't like, it's not like a common thing, but um, I'll buy a used or a cheap version of a paperback book that I want to read. Yeah. And if I really like the book, I'll go get a hardcover. Okay. And no, that's cool. So, like, I like the idea. Like, I don't. Like, I know I'll never be like a millionaire kind of thing. Yeah. But like, when it comes to collecting, I'll do like, I don't know. Like, I like the idea of a nice movie collection. Of, all right, well, like, there's certain things that aren't on Netflix or streaming studios. There's a movie I watched called I Origins. Great fucking movie. I'd love to tell you what it's about, but I, it's one of those movies you got to go in blind for. Um, for sure. Uh, so it's like the letter I as an I Thomas comma origins i really recommend it. if you can find it watch it i it's a great mind fuck of a movie okay. um, and i like the fact that i own a copy of that and i can just watch it willy-nilly uh, yeah. i have a few autographed copies of uh kevin smith films which as you know i'm a giant fan of yeah um and i just like yeah, no I, I can relate to that yeah so like when it comes so like i don't know like i collect things that help explain me 
you know, mm-hmm. and then um, eventually I want to get a record player and I want to start buying records, but not just music, but comedy albums. There's a bunch of comedians that are putting out vinyls and I love it. Like Bill Burr is releasing his uh, his Madison Square Garden special on vinyl. And I think that would be amazing to just own because you can always go back to a comedian. Um, there's old school George Carlin that if I ever found, I would I would hold on to that for dear life. And then I, I want the albums... Eight. Sorry, I have a sweet George Carlin album. Yeah, you understand. Yeah. Like, yeah. and then there's these um, uh, there's these uh, uh, albums that I just hold dear that I want to own. Like, For I sure. like um, the Man on the Moon by Kid Cudi, parts one, two, and three. I think are fantastic albums, and I would love to have them of, as a vinyl and hardcover. There's uh, the first three albums by Mumford and Sons. I think are unbelievable. Uh, yeah, agreed. Uh, Arctic Monkeys have like uh, some amazing albums as well and i would love to have that just to have that experience of hearing on vinyl not not just to know that that maybe it's different yeah i don't like myself being a a record collector as well um i don't i'm not like a i prefer the sound quality it's so Mm -hmm. much better like i'm I'm like fuck off but what i do like is it's like an event you're sitting down and you're listening to an album you're giving that artist a chance to like tell you their story through their music and you yeah. sit down and you listen to it like it that's what i like about it you know oh i agree with you uh have you ever watched the movie the sorry the show on hbo the newsroom nope now there is a scene in this show um that stuck with me and it's just a cool moment um where um the main actor uh jeff daniels as will mcavoy and so the premise of the show is that it's a um it's like the inside of the making of what it takes to have a 24 hour news. Mm-hmm. And there's this moment where the lead anchor, Will McAvoy, he's alone in his apartment. He's reflecting on his life. Like I, I, he might be stoned. I can't remember, but he's just, he, he's sitting in his nice like loft apartment in New York city, he puts on um, an album and he just sits back in his recliner chair and he's just reflecting and yeah. i think it's a van morrison album and he's just and that stuck with me there's a like i want that moment i don't know how yeah. i don't know how you can you know when you see a thing on television or you see a thing in movies and you just like i need to feel that and, for sure and if having a record player and like that those albums that i hold dear and like I'm like have a moment of just reflection, and I want that. I don't I don't know what it is, but when I saw that, I went, I need to have that in my life. It's funny when you say that because like I grew up seeing that. Mm-hmm. Like my dad, when you know, whenever he was going through hard points in his life, he had his favorite albums, and like he'd come home from work, and even if you know, like he was with someone or whatever, yeah, you know, the room there were people, lots of people in the room even if he had to listen to it on volume level one, but have mm-hmm. his head right next to the speaker or plug he in would, headphones like the old. Yeah. School. He would have that moment. And that's like, you know, how I learned about music, I guess, and how a lot of us learn about it is through our parents first. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And my dad used to always like cut out those moments, you know, like he needed it. He, you know, it was a therapy like music is to a lot of us, you know, and that's like, a way of like resolution like the scene you're talking about in your movies like or in the show story is like i've seen that scene 
a hundred times in real life of like when my dad was going through hardship, you know? So it's, mm. it's, it is like an experience. And that's what like, when you're listening to songs on your phone, you're skipping through whatever. It's not the same as when you are actually using a machine specifically built for music to listen to music, to process something that you had to physically take out of a sleeve and put on, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's just more to it, I guess. Yeah. So I guess to answer your whole question of whole of like, do I collect? And I, and I, I do, I don't have anything like, no, I don't have a lot of like one specific thing, but because I have a love of all these different mediums, I surround myself with those things that they represent. Right. That's the heart of a collector. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know if you were like into collecting or not. Right. That's why I posed the question because I, I'm a natural collector of those kind of things too, being a fanboy and, you know, certain things, not anything too specific on anything. Like I'm not like, you don't walk into my house and see 8,000 clowns like you do with some ladies who have those type of collections. Not to that extent, you know, I've never lend myself to any one thing too much but I do like dabble in collecting for sure. There's another thing I wanted to share with you about like things I do collect is I collect life mementos. I have this like Tom box. It used to be a shoe box from Tom's and I would just put it all in there. Now, uh, since I was a groomsman at my buddy Addie's wedding, he made like a specific box with like a flask and stuff, but it has like a T and like the picture of the group, the groomsman as the Avengers on it. And uh, I've held on to that. And I, what I do is just concert tickets, um, movie stubs, um, moments in time. So, you know, there's things that I just hold on to because it means something. Like I got a bottle of Jameson as a gift uh, from a girl that was special to me for like a little while. It was just like a Mickey. It wasn't like anything huge. Yeah. I still have that bottle. Now, like I move on but i remember you know like for sure and i think it's important to hold on to those things like i don't delete pictures of on my instagram from my past because that's part of the story that is thomas yeah and and so like those important mementos from life like the first time i ever got a girl's phone number i still have the napkin that was written on nice that's important like i like to do that like i have a sean box as well i don't call Mm -hmm. it the sean box i like that you call it the tom box But, like, it is important to me to, like, I want to have things that trigger my memory of special events that were special to me at the time. You know, whether it's, like, a note that Crystal wrote for me, like, have a great day, babe, I love you, and, like, put it in my lunch that one day, and I'm, like, you know, I'm fucking keeping this. Or, like, you know, something stupid or simple like that, all the way up to, like, one of the most important days of your life of a mental from that day. Or, like you said, it's it's nice to have something that triggers your memory when you open that box and you pull it out and it takes you right back to who you were at that time period in your life, yeah and right? sometimes i'll just take a thing like yeah. I, sounds like it's stealing and 100 percent is stealing but if i'm like at something important or uh like i was working volunteer work at this uh sugaring off festival in manitoba and there was just this one spoon it was just thicker and it looked different from all the other spoons yeah i took that like like yeah. this this is my souvenir like no one's going to miss a spoon and it's it's I don't know why what it was about this spoon it's just how it looked and yeah. it just looked different from the rest of them I went this is special this is mine now for sure no I totally get that yeah so that's how like I feel and I think it's important to keep those and it like 
I don't like I, I don't tell everybody what everything is, but it's for me to know. And in, yeah, exactly. I, like that I have it. That's the funny part about like the box too. Like you know, if someone opened it up, they're gonna be like, it's just a bunch of random like weird fucking like. There's a goddamn spoon in this book. <laughs> but what, to you, it triggers that memory, right? That's what's yeah. powerful about it. Yeah, and uh, it makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should move on to the recommendation. Yeah, that's a good time. I suppose it's your turn to recommend something to me. Yes. So, um, I have like two things. One, one you can probably do over time, and I just recommend that you do it. So the first one is, since knowing that you have access to a car and a full driver's license now, one of the most power powering things to me was when I drove from um bc to quebec during like uh when i had to move back here because of the pandemic it was such a thing where it was cathartic it was peaceful it was empowering it was just i was alone with my own thoughts for hours on end and it kind of made me reevaluate things really dig deep now i'm not saying drive across the country yeah however i will recommend to you Take a long drive by yourself and just enjoy. Listen to whatever music you want or a podcast or a book on audio book, like whatever you it is, but you're going to have these moments where you're just going to turn everything off and you're just going to think you're just going to. Yeah. And I think that's something that everyone kind of needs. Uh, I like the, that recommendation because I've just done functional driving. Yeah. You know what I mean? I haven't done any enjoyment driving yet. It's just simply been get from point A to point B driving. Yeah. So it's so a cool, have, cool idea. You have an afternoon where, let's say, uh, Crystal's working or she's doing stuff with her friends and you have an open day. I say yeah. take a drive through the mountains. Like You can do that drive and you'll kill a day and a few tanks of gas, but it's visually stunning. Yeah. And, and you just go like what you do. Like I just went and saw some mountains today and it was just peaceful. Oh, I look back. I look forward to reporting back to you eventually when I get around to doing that. Yeah. Might not be in the next podcast, but it's gonna come. Yeah. So a more doable, a more doable uh, recommendation is there's a movie on Amazon Prime, and it goes back to what I was saying about how I like the original idea movies. Um, it's like a more of a passion project movie than anything, and I what I really like it. It's called Colossal. It's on Amazon Colossal. Prime. Uh, it stars Anne Hathaway, Jason Sudeikis, and a few familiar faces. But the premise is Anne Hathaway is kind of lost in her New York uh, author life, and she uh, a relationship goes awry, so she goes back to her hometown. When she goes back to her hometown, whenever she steps foot in a park at a specific time, this giant towering monster, a Godzilla-sized monster, shows up in south korea and like the story kind of takes off from there and it's just a very interesting flick it's a cool idea and it's just i thought it was awesome so i really I'll recommend give it a watch hmm? i'll give it a watch yeah so yeah amazon prime colossal i think you'll really enjoy it sounds good all right man well i think that Hello, wraps Tom. up today's episode yeah i was gonna say i think we talked everyone's ears off for a for a good time here yeah, this may be a long <laughs> one i think i think so we have a lot to say on certain things when we start saying it right yeah 
to everyone out there who's listening thank you very very much for listening to our podcast number two yeah thank you for taking the journey with us on this long episode um that being said uh i've been tom sides and this has been one side of the story and i'm sean sides and this has been another side of the story sides of the story two sides of the story two sides of the story with tom and sean